0: Today, I want to do something that maybe you did not expect. Today, I want to ask a simple question of each of you, and it's this. What is your story? And more specifically, I want to ask you this question. What is your spiritual story? You see, everyone has a spiritual story. You may say, well, I don't have anything to do with God. That's still a spiritual story. You may say, well... The, the Lord saved me decades ago, and I am here every time the door is open at Hoppentown Church You have a spiritual story. We all have that today and so we're going to be in Romans 6 today as we look at uh, What a spiritual story is As far as they knew This story was over He had meant so much to them, but now he was gone religious and political leaders had turned against him and had him crucified and he died that morning the women went to the tomb to anoint his body they had brought spices and made their way to the tomb and they had this question in mind well who would roll the stone away anointing Jesus would be the least they could do Nothing they did that morning, though, suggested that they expected Jesus to be resurrected. After all, (laughs) dead people usually stay dead. Something happened at that tomb, however. A supernatural earthquake had rolled the stone away. As the women entered the tomb unexpectedly, an angel spoke to them and said this. Come and look. Jesus wasn't there. Of course he wasn't there. Resurrected Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Amen? If he did, he wouldn't have be been resurrected. He'd still be dead. We'd have no hope. This life would make little sense. And we would have a spiritual story that did not matter. Let me read to you. We, we've seen the Luke account. Let me read to you from the Gospel of Matthew this morning. Chapter 28, the first seven verses about that morning in which we celebrate today. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his robe was as white as snow. And you know me, I'm visual. I'm just trying. Can you picture what that scene must have been like? When you show up and you're trying to figure out how you're going to roll a stone away that's too heavy for you, and you're going to do only what you can do, anoint Jesus. That's the best I can do. And then they're encountered with this situation. We continue in verse 4 the guards were so shaken from fear that they became like dead men but the angel told the women don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified he is not here for he has been resurrected just as he said come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. In fact, he is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Listen, I have told you. You know, if angel of the Lord was talking to me and concluded by saying, listen, I done told you, <laughs> I'm going to pay attention to that. Today, the angels' words mean so much. They're part of Jesus' story. They're part of the women's story. They're part of the disciples' story. They were words that changed the world. You see, Jesus truly was alive. Sin's power had been broken. Satan and the demons had lost. Death had been defeated. Yet I'm here today to tell you something. The story wasn't over. Let me remind you, resurrection stories are never over. This is not a resuscitation story, it's a resurrection story. And today I want to ask you, what is your spiritual story? Just ponder that for a moment. I would ask you, don't stop outside the tomb, instead, see the stone rolled away. Go into the tomb. See that Jesus is not dead, that he is not there. And then rejoice. Do it loudly and clearly and passionately. The story still has no end. And that story includes you. Now let's read from Romans 6, verse 8 through 11. Probably a passage you've never heard on Easter. Maybe so, I don't know. But let's look at this. And let's think about the impact of what happened when Jesus resurrected Romans 6 verse 8 through 11 now if we died with Christ with Jesus we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ having been raised from the dead no longer dies death no longer rules over him for For in that he died, he died to sin once for all, but in that he lives. He lives to God, so you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to us today, that we'd hear the words. From your revelation to us from the Bible not my words but your words and that we would see and reflect and know what has happened and that we would examine what our story is you see God we know that our our story can't be grandma's story or mom and dad's story or the preacher's story or the teacher's story or someone else's it's ours And I pray that we will ponder our spiritual story today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, here we are in the book of Romans. I want to give you just a little context because we've done a drive-by and we've dove right into here. But if you'll think about the book of Romans, it's in the Bible, it's in the New Testament. It's actually a letter written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. And he wrote this letter to the church in Rome. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Romans? Hello? That wasn't that hard. You got, read that on your own, couldn't you? Yeah, you could have figured that out. But Paul, in the book of Romans, addresses several theological themes, including salvation, of which we're thinking about today. And in Romans 6, 8 through 11 that we just read, it's part of a larger section of the book of Romans, where Paul is discussing, if you will, the implications of salvation for the life of a Christian. What does it mean for someone to repent and turn to God, ask forgiveness for their sin, for Jesus to forgive them, to save them, to come into their life and be their Lord? What are the implications of that? And this passage is a powerful reminder of the hope and new life that we have in Jesus. And also, I think it is a call for us who speak the name of Jesus, for us who call ourselves Christians to live in a way that reflects our new identity, that reflects that we are those who have been made alive in him. It is our story. So you listen quickly and I'll talk quickly because I got four things I want to get to this morning. That wasn't any of them yet. We're just getting started. Here we go four points i want you to think about if you have a compass a bulletin you can open it up and you'll see them listing there but as we think about our story number one i think in verse eight we see our story should include belief our story should include belief look at verse eight again verse eight again now if we died with christ we believe there's that word that we will also live with him. Paul tells us what we immediately experienced when we believed in Jesus Christ. If you're a Christian, you experience this. He says, Now, if we have died with Christ. This is the start, if you will, of volume two of the story. You see, if your spiritual story just includes volume one, you ain't there yet because volume two starts when Jesus forgives us, when we repent from our sin, our way, and we run to him when he saves us, when he forgives us. That's the start of volume two in our spiritual story. And it's a statement of fact that Paul makes here. If you're a believer of Jesus Christ, this has already occurred in your life and his true of you. But what's interesting to me, it says, now if we have died, my question is what kind of death? So let's quickly think about that. What kind of death has happened? Because if I say I've died, Already, I've died with Christ, with Jesus. You're saying, um, you're standing right, dude, you're standing right here. So let's talk about what, that's obviously not physical. What is it? Number one, it's a spiritual death. One does not die physically when converted to Christ. We die spiritually, if you will. We died with Christ to what? To our old way of life. So it's a spiritual death. Number two, it's a past death death p-a-s-t what do i mean by that the moment you believe in jesus christ you die with him in that moment it's as if god took us back two thousand years and placed us in christ well what does that mean it means we die to the tyranny that sin once had over us christian can you remember the days when the tyranny of sin ruled over you before jesus christ gloriously saved you some of you'll know this name, the great preacher from years past, R.G. Lee. First time he went to Israel, he traveled to Israel, and the tour guide uh, was going to ask a question. They arrive at, Gal- at, at Calvary, you can picture that, and, and, and being there. What a great video we saw earlier, but you can picture that. And the tour guide said, how many of you have been here before? Well, Dr. Lee had not been there before, but he raised his hand, and the tour guide said, how can that be? And this is what Dr. Lee said. I was here 2,000 years ago when Jesus died. I was crucified with him. My sin was crucified with him. You see, it's our sin on his cross. As you think about a Good Friday and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, you think about Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, that we're celebrating today, let us be reminded that our sin was on that cross. Let us not just get upset with the religious leaders. How could they do that? The Roman soldiers, how could they follow through with that? Let us remember it's our sin. It's a past death. Number three, it's also this death is a shared death, meaning you and I were crucified with Christ. Believers now share in the death of Christ. Number four, it's a real death. It's not something hypothetical. Can I just get that through to each one of you today? This is not some theory that I'm talking about. This is not some proposition. It's not hypothetical. Believers die to their old way of life. Well, And if you're thinking today, well, I'm not sure if I did that, you need to think whether you're really a believer or not because believers die to their old way of life. Dramatic change has come to our lives. It's part of our spiritual story. And finally, it's a liberating death. Amen? Have some of you experienced freedom and liberation when Jesus is coming to your life? You see, we're all in bondage to sin, and we cannot break loose from its death grip, no matter how hard we try. But for believers, we have been set free from our previous bondage to sin. We died to the reign of sin in our life. So let me ask you what's your story not my story I know my story not the person next to you but what's your story what is it well let's move on the verse also says we will also live with him and I like that part better don't you the died part is one thing but I like the living part we will also live with him you see because we have died to sin something else is true scripture says we believe there's that word we believe our story has to have belief that we will also live with him. We, again, here is referring to believers. It's not referring to all of humankind. It may not be referring to your family. I don't know. It's referring to those who place their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe. That's what we, that's what we is referring to. And it's a firm statement of faith. Please note the change in the verb tense. Okay? Paul said what? He wrote what? We died with Christ. That's past tense. But here he writes, we will also live with him. That is actually in present, but more than that, it's in a future tense that applies to the present with certainty. It's what's happening and with certainty into the future. When God resurrected Jesus on that third day, God resurrected the believer to a brand new life. We are now alive to an entirely new life in Christ. Well, let's think about life for a minute. We thought about death. You might want to jot this down. Number one, what kind of life is it? It's a divine life. God lives in the life of the believer. It's not any more mere human existence that we once endured. I mean, the bad news is human existence is human existence. And it doesn't answer all the questions to life, the future, and eternity. But new life in Christ does. It's a divine life. Secondly, it's a new life. It's a life that's not like anything else this world can give you. Can I share that with you today? You can go out of here today and you can look, you can search, you can try this and that, you can do this and that, you can study this and that. I'm gonna tell you right now, new life in Christ is unique. It's like nothing the world can give us. Amen? Christian, are you aware of that? That's a message that we need to share with others. Let me tell you about something the world can't give you. But only God can give you. See, previously we were dead. Scripture says what? We were dead in trespasses. I like that word. We were dead in sin. But now we have this new life within us. Number three, it's also an abundant life. That's what Scripture calls it. John calls it that. It's a life in which God, God's supply far exceeds whatever needs we have. And I'm not talking just financially, I'm talking this. God gives us, uh, as, as a Christian, overflowing love, surpassing joy, excess peace in large measure. It's not just an abundant life, it's also a triumphant life. Because those who are believers, those who are Christians, we now have received a victorious life that overcomes the world. That's what Jesus said, I have come and I have overcome the world. Not only that, it overcomes our sinful ways. It overcomes the devil himself. And finally, it's a permanent life. You see, once new life starts with Jesus, there's no end to that life. It's ours to experience and enjoy throughout our days. We possess this new life, not only in the good times, but also in the difficult times as well. It is a life that even when we die here on earth, when we die we will never be more alive it is a life that goes beyond the grave can I ask you a question what's your story what's your story well our story should include belief number two look at verse 9 our story should include knowledge Paul says here in this verse because we know that Christ you see the word no we know that Christ having been raised from the dead will not die again death no longer rules over him you know know, I'm not a super big guy on knowledge I realize just knowing about Jesus doesn't save us we have to have him in our heart we have to commit our lives to him but the scripture says that we Know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, verse 9. I see two realities here. The first reality is this. Jesus will not die again. According to God's holy word, Jesus will not die again. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he'll never, listen to me, he'll never go back to the cross. He'll never go back to the tomb. He will never go back to burying our sins and suffering to the point of death. And get this. Under the judgment of God the Father. He will never do that again. Salvation is sure. There was a glorious finality to Jesus' vicarious death. Upon the cross, Jesus cried out. You can look at it. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. You remember what he said? Three words with an exclamation point at the end. He said, it is finished. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not an English major. Anybody, any English majors in here today? Uh, I, I knew there'd be a hand back there, okay, all right? But I, I have enough grasp of the language to understand, it is finished, exclamation point means what? You can't say it is finished. It means it's done, right? Completed. Brought to the point of completion. You see, the reality here in verse 9 the knowledge that we need to have for our story is that the payment for our sins it was made in full no further sacrifices needed listen I don't care what your sin is I don't care what you've done I don't how bad you think it is sin can be forgiven why because Jesus raised from the dead never to die again the scripture says death no longer rules in him you see we come to God as we are the second reality is that death no longer has power did you catch that in that verse Jesus broke the authority that sin once had over our lives if you're a believer you've got to know that and we've experienced that the mastery of sin and death has been ended once For all in our life yes of course we'll die physically but not spiritually can I say it this way according to God's Word and according to the experience in my life the resurrection was a complete and total success would you agree with that so let me ask you a question I asked you guys right there can I ask you guys over here what's your story what is your story today what is your spiritual story let's move to verse 10 Our story should include belief, knowledge, but also understanding. Look at verse 10. Paul states, For in light of the fact that he died, talking about Jesus, he died to sin once for all, but in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So we have the word for there, F O R. That leads us to further explanation. You see, Jesus did not die for his own sin. Are you aware of that? He was sinless. He was perfect. He didn't die for his own sin. The whole Bible confirms this. Just look anywhere in the Bible and you'll see confirmation of this. Jesus not only died for our sins, he also died to sin. What does that mean? That that means that he died not only to pay the penalty for my sin, but he also died to break the power of sin in my life and in your life. Listen to Romans 5.21, just one chapter back. Paul writes this, Just as sin reigned in death, so also grace will reign through righteousness, resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a great scripture, truth, principle to claim. Our story should include understanding. Well, let's talk about a few things there. The scripture says, once for all. Did you catch that? Anybody catch that? Once for all. Now, I've got to tell you what that doesn't mean. Some people have said once for all does not mean for all people. That's not what it means. It means for all time. Once for all. You see, Jesus, according to Scripture, died once, never to die again. Jesus offered one sacrifice that was so perfect. That it never has to be repeated again. It was a once and for all sacrifice. And I want to share that with you today. That's good news, is it not? God's rescue plan is that Jesus, when he said it it is finished, and he died, and on the third day when he rose, that was once and for all. There's nothing else we have to look for. There's not another prophet out there. There's not another savior out there. There's not another political or financial leader out there to lead us out of the morass that we're in. Listen, sin is sin, and Jesus paid the sacrifice once and for all for sin part of my story is it part of yours not only does scripture say it was once for all but it's a satisfactory sacrifice you see Jesus only had to go before God on our behalf once as he offered up and it wasn't the blood of an animal do you remember back in the day the people that followed God they would have to do these sacrifices blood from animals no more because Jesus sacrificed his own blood did you catch i hope you were on time did you catch the video this morning as the choir sang and orchestra played now you may say that's a little graphic for church no that that's not even graphic enough of the shed blood of jesus the scripture tells us that without the shedding of jesus's blood there is no forgiveness of sin Hmm. Jesus came to do the will of God. If we remember just this past Thursday night, Jesus was in the garden, of, not right now, but we celebrated, okay? Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was anguishing and he came to the point of saying, "Not my will, Father, but what? Your will be done." So he came to do the will of God, which required Jesus to go to the cross to offer himself up as the perfect sacrifice for our sin. And don't forget, just because it happened 2,000 years ago, it means he was killed, murdered. So what's the meaning for us? It's this. Believers, those who are true believers, are now in Christ. That's what the Scripture says. There's no going back. Once Jesus was raised from the dead, he would live forever. And he would live for the honor and glory of God the Father. And this reality is the same for believers today. Once we have been raised with Christ, once once the Lord has saved us, we will forever live for God, both now and forever. Our story should include understanding. Let me ask you guys what's your story? What's your story? Fourth point, we made it. Aren't you glad? I'm still not, I got a ways to go, but I'm almost, I'm getting there, okay? Thank you for paying attention, by the way. It, can I just, a little sidebar, it always amazes me, you come to church, and you look out, and the lights are up, and I see, and only a few of you fall asleep during the sermon, it's great. <laughs> the vast majority of you are awake, and, and, and actually, it looks like you're th- thanking and paying attention, it's awesome, I really appreciate that. If it was just Lynn and I at church, i would be pretty boring you know so it's great to have you guys here I don't know how did I get off on that <laughs> I was complimenting you you're not asleep as I looked out you're paying attention number four Oh, I know why because preachers go too long that's what it was our story should include these first three things but here's the kicker are you ready here's the kicker here's why I would love to talk with you about What Jesus has done in my life in God's rescue plan here's the kicker our story should include certainty look at verse 11 so you too t-o-o consider yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus let me help you with certainty here Paul writes consider yourselves dead to sin this is important Because if you'll read this book of Romans, here we are all the way to chapter 6. If you'll read it, it's the first time in the book of Romans that Paul has explicitly told the readers and us today something what we must do. Here it is. It's the first time. Everything he has written to this point has been teaching doctrine. What a masterful theological treatise it is. But here's the first exhortation, if you will, what you need to do in the book. And he writes, you are dead to sin and to consider this. The word consider, logismai, is a Greek word that sounds like some familiar English words we have. Logarithm, some of you know about those. How about logistics? Hmm. This word, this Greek word, which I pronounce poorly, but we have in English as consider, It means to take inventory, to calculate, to number or count. And here we are entreated to carefully think about this truth in our life as Christians. Specifically, we must consider, we must take inventory, we must calculate, count, number, what? Ourselves to be dead to sin. This does not mean that as a believer we cannot sin. Okay? Run, if there's a guy that's out there writing a book or sending you a note and, 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 or, or preaching and he just says there's no sin, uh, he just sinned because he's lying. Being dead to sin does not mean that there's no more sin at all. What instead, or that I can't sin, what it means is the death grip that sin once held over our life, my life, has been broken by the power of the cross. Thank you for that. The stranglehold that sin once held over us has been broken. We're released to live a good life. Listen, a good life, that's why we talk about what has happened. We call it good news, don't we? We don't say, let me share some mediocre news with you. Let me share some ambivalent news with you No, it's good news it's great news because sin no longer has a hold over us we have been released to a new life we were once scripture says dead in sin but but now we are not dead in sin but listen to me did you catch it dead to sin amen this first goes on to say we're alive to God in Christ Jesus We were spiritually dead to God and alive to sin. That is how we entered the world. But in the new birth, this was totally reversed. Are you catching the reversal in just these few verses of what has happened? When Paul adds this prepositional phrase in Christ Jesus, it's a very important addendum. Never has so much meaning been bound up in so few words. The life that we live, are you ready, is alive in Christ Jesus it's not alive in my heartbeat it's not alive if my a1c is good it's not alive if I lost a few pounds this year it's not alive is if, if uh, this surgery has been done or this procedure is done listen it is a life that is alive because of what God has done Jesus Wow the life we that we live is alive in Christ Jesus And let me say this to you. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, there is absolutely no life for us outside of him. There is certainty in what Jesus has done. Can I ask you, what's your story? How about you in the back? You're not getting away with it. I see you. I see you. There's a man smiling. How about that? I see you what's your story what's your spiritual story and let me ask you these truths that we've read from God's Word what should they mean for our spiritual story I'm gonna read them to you one more time let's look one more time at Romans 6 verse 8 now if we died with Christ we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death no longer rules over him. For in that he died, he died to sin once for all. But in that he lives, he lives to God. Are you seeing it? So, you too, you consider yourselves, believer, dead to sin, but alive to God. In Christ Jesus what should these truths mean for our spiritual story it it matters not what I say it matters not what the person next to you might say oh I agree with that Oh, I'm not sure about that I disagree listen that doesn't matter what matters is what God says and what God has done and there's a number of us in this room I believe will stake our life would we not on what God has said and what God has done If they came through the doors today and said, no more, you must renounce faith in Jesus Christ, how many would stand and say, nope, I already died. I'm alive with him. Can't do that to me. Hmm. Well, I'm going to give you the answers. Can I do that? You ponder them. Here's the implications. Here's what these truths mean for the Christian and his or her spiritual story. For believers we should do this we should live as people who are dead to sin and alive in Christ do I know you Christian do I can I tell that you're a Christian and by the way sitting on the eighth row fourth chair in I don't make you a Christian that makes you a person who comes to church right although I love you people on the front row man I love you guys in the front this is Some of you on the back need to move on up, right? the, The truth here for us as Christians is live as people who are dead to sin and alive in Christ. How appealing and different that must look in our world today. You know, our world is full of death. Have you noticed? Yeah. Another thing for believers is this. Live in such a way that is pleasing to God it's a daily struggle it's a daily journey that we would live not for the world or not for stuff or not for temptations that we would live in a way that is pleasing to God do you know I think there's some people that their spiritual story is not finished I think salvation come to their life but do you know what I think a hurdle is for some folks maybe in this room today is how the Christian lives their life doesn't line up with this not pleasing to God. Oh God, may our life be pleasing to you. So let me say this to you in the story as believers volume one of our story closed. We now live, we live now, we live for eternity in volume number two. Because we have been saved and forgiven by God. Well how about for those today that are non-believers? I like, I'm saying like that on purpose purpose you may be a skeptic you may be saying I'm here only because my mom asked me to come or I'm here only because I got quit looking at your mom right now I saw that actually he was here last Sunday so he's not here only because his mom said this I saw you you know guys when I see stuff going on I'm gonna comment it's called squirrel 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 right I just go there no but but I I want you to think about this non-believer this can be someone who's upright and does great work in the community and still not be a believer in Jesus Christ. This can be a skeptic or a doubter. This can be a derelict, if you will. Non believers, all. Hmm. What does that mean for non believers, this truth? Two things. It's really simple, folks. I'm sorry if sometime in your life someone has complicated it. And thrown all these religious rules and all these church edicts in the way listen you're not gonna get that today here it is non-believer turn from sin and turn towards God turn from sin and turn towards God what does that mean turn from my way which is sinful because we're all sinners and turn to God's way the word we use the biblical word is repent give it all to him God already knows that we're sinners. God already knows what kind of non-believer we are. We can turn to God. And then the second truth or implication is this. Non-believer, find forgiveness and new life in Jesus. Find forgiveness and new life in Jesus. What does that mean? It is something as simple as... Scripture says that a child can do it. So adults, can you kind of come down more to a kid's level? Don't make it complicated. It is this. I repent. I, I, I turn from, I give my sin to you. My way is not your way. I believe and confess with my mouth, Jesus, that you are Lord, that you are alive that this is true, that you died and on the third day you rose, that you are the one who can forgive me. Please forgive me, save me. You're the only one who can. Give me new life in you. Did you catch that? I didn't use the word baptism. I didn't use the phrase church membership. I didn't even say grandma or grandpa or any other religious word. That is what needs to happen. Could I say this to you, non-believer, as I close? Volume two is available with your spiritual story. And as the angel said on that day, 2,000-ish years ago that morning, do you remember what he said to those ladies? "Come and see." And I would say to everyone in this room today, "Come and see what the Lord Jesus Christ has done. He's done it for me and for you. Let's pray. God, I ask that my words would go away and that your words in Scripture would speak to us. Lord, I'm praying for new life in Christ, not just because it's Easter, but because we have just seen what you have done. And we celebrate it today god i'm praying so much for believers that we might live a life that is pleasing to you that we might live in a way that everyone sees that we're dead to sin and alive with you and god i'm praying for those who are not believers for those who are searching and seeking perhaps those who really aren't they're just here that you would penetrate their heart right now, their soul. And they would discover and desire that need to run to you with life and trust, believe. Give that life to you and ask for forgiveness and salvation. God, I pray for that today. Lord, I pray for those we've been praying for. pray that we would share this great news, this rescue plan with others. In Jesus' name I pray.